systems allow me to simplify and scale things. If I scale things, people are going to have more opportunity so that people will stay in a place where they have opportunity. People will also be more happy because they're not living in this unstable environment. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And with me today is John Martindale from Brothers Services. John has an incredible business, and we are going to talk about his journey, and we're going to talk very specifically about team building here, because this business really depends on a lot of people to make it work effectively and efficiently and profitably. So welcome, John. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Brian. Enjoy the chance to be on and talk to you and your audience. Cool. So give everybody, this is the first time you're here. So give everybody kind of the two minute version of your, of your story. Okay. I'll try to do it quick. I have uh, been at Brother Services, came to work for Brother Services as a roofer, having come from a company that had failed 36 years ago. Wow. And about six years into that journey there, I had the opportunity to buy out the, the owner and took over as owner and have built it from there. That's even shorter than two minutes. That's it? <laughs> all right. So yeah. give us, all right. So Brother Services, where are you? What do you sell? How many people do you have? How many jobs did you do last year? Sure. Yeah, a little bit more. I give you a couple bit more about, I've been married 42 years, five kids, five grandkids. Wow. As a company, Wait, when I took- on, Hold on a second. You said you've been married for 42 years? Yep. Do you yeah. mind asking how old you are? <laughs> I got married at 19. I'm 61. Yep. Oh, damn. So for those uh, of you on the, watching this on YouTube, you'll see why I asked him that question. <laughs> he doesn't look much older than 42. Sorry, I, go on. Okay. I've, been at, I've been at it for a while. And, yeah. you know, I've been in the construction trades for probably about 40 years. And yeah, I, I was a roofer. I worked my way up through that and then uh, actually went back and got my MBA when I was 40 because I felt like I needed to have no more about how to grow a business from there. As a company, we're about 36 million this year. Actually, we're right now a couple million ahead of pace, but we're, that's our goal for the year. Our plan for the year is to do about 36 million. We have about 30 couple salespeople and 100 and what is it? 140, 150 employees in that range. Wow. Cool. I'm sorry, John. Tell me again. Where are you based? Out of Central Maryland, Greater oh, Baltimore. Okay, yeah. we're in Maryland. Okay, I'm in Florida right now, but in, live there in the winters. But my uh, company is in is in the Baltimore area. So okay, so and this is where the conference. So John and I talked last week because John is also a partner at CCN Certified Contractors Network, and we were chatting last week, and he said something to me about the team. You know, he's in Florida. His business is in Maryland, and he's going to do 30-some million dollars this year. How do you do that when you're in Florida and your business is in Maryland? It sounds like a dream. 
So tell us a little bit more. And then he mentioned, oh, and then that's where he mentioned, well, he has a great team that he's been developing over the last 15 years. So I thought, wow, that'd be a great episode, great thing to talk about. So tell us about the team. What does the team look like? And I'll ask questions about, we'll poke into it a little bit. We'll unpack it and go a little deeper into it. That'd be great. Yeah, I have a two partners in the business. One of them, Steve Swagel, is the president, runs the day-to-day. I met him at grad school. He was assigned to a team together with us, and we figured out pretty quickly that we worked great together. And he has a financial background. He's a CPA. And uh, the other partner actually came to work, similar to my story, he came to work for us as a roofer. And everything that we gave him, he always took on and did better than was expected. And we just have mentored and developed him over a period of time. That's Dave McLean, and he's now a partner in the business. And we gave him a path to that and is the senior vice president. So they they function much where Dave runs a lot of the production and sales and the operational stuff. And Steve does, it's more like a, a CFO, but also the general operations of the company. And then beyond that, we have a, a strong management team. And I believe from day one that that really one of the only truly sustainable competitive advantages that you can have is superior talent on your team. And so, you know, everything else people can copy, but they can't copy my, the talent of my team very easily. And so we've worked really hard at putting together, and we have very long tenured employees, but put together a strong team of people that lead each of our areas of our company. And we invest regularly into them and, and work on developing them. We trust them pretty implicitly. I didn't get to a point where I was able to to run that business. I don't run the business, but to be an owner of the business, only putting three or four hours a weekend overnight, that happened. You know, I was in the grind and working in it for decades. But as Steve and I really honed the systems and developed Dave to be able to be that person who who knows our products intimately and knows all of the sides of the business from sales and production side, at least, he really replaced a lot of what I brought to the table and, and it developed the ability for me to, to pull out. And so we engaged in what we called strategic abandonment. <laughs> we thought we were ready, but it's like, Hey, go take off for a month and let's see how we do. And we, you know, worked through some issues that came up and then we did it some longer. And, and then, you know, three years ago, I bought a place in Florida and I started spending my winters here. So, and it's, it's gone great. Nice. So, You know, it's tough. I was talking to a, well, there was two people that came right up as we were talking about teams. So there's this husband and wife, really, really nice people. They're they're struggling a little bit in the business. They're a smaller company. And it's just them doing everything. And I would imagine that a lot of the people listening Or also they say, well, it's, yeah, it sounds great for you guys. You have teams and you have people that do all that, blah, blah, blah. But it didn't start that way. It's not like you magically got this team. So let's think about it from the point of view of people that are, you know, they're in the business. Everything kind of revolves around them, which is you and I know very, very well, the majority of people out there, their business revolves around them. Uh You and me, our businesses don't revolve around us, not anymore. And that's why we can go do other things. But it's tough when you don't have people or you have just a few people to start to bring in those people that you can trust. 
that you can help develop and help mentor and coach. So how did you, how did that start for you? Yeah. I mean, it gets to the point where, and, and I was in the fray where literally everything was on me and you realize that you want to take part of the business that isn't the place that you're the most strong and hire someone to do it and put in place parameters where you can, you can hold them accountable to, you know, the expectations and the metrics that you require out of them. So the first thing I did, I was more interested in the sales side of the business. I had come out of production. I didn't really want to get into the office every morning at six anymore. So I hired a production manager and he came in and I hired one and it what didn't go well. The first one I got, I got, you know, it was, it was the kind of thing, you know, if you had a full cup of water and it gets bumped, it spills out, you know, the first production guy that I, that I had any issue that hit, you know, it spilled onto me and it was just not really that helpful for me. But after a period of time, I was, um, we were able to put him into a different seat on the bus and, and I brought in a guy, his name is Wayne Watkins that, that came in at that time. And Wayne, when issues hit him, his cup kept them inside. They didn't spill onto my plate. And, and so I realized really quickly that he had this capacity that wasn't usual. And, and I began to really invest in him and to trust him and to put him in places to develop his own career. And, and he took over that area, which gave me the freedom then to, to focus in heavily on the, the sales and the, and the business side of the business. And just, you know, over time, eventually I hired a sales manager and, and that way I was able to, to focus really on managing the sales leader and the production leader and then the business side of the business. And you just develop a team over time. I always wanted to grow the business. I was always passionate about growing the business and you can't grow. I was willing at times to give up some short-term profit in order to have the right level of talent on the team because I knew that the current talent team that I have, the level of talent we had, wasn't going to be able to grow it to the next level. Okay, so that is a really interesting thing because one of the things, by the way, when you see me looking down, I'm taking notes. So what I wrote down was how do you pay for it? And so you mentioned something interesting about taking that short-term hit to profits. Talk a little bit more about that because I think one of the things that holds people back is like, well, how am I going to pay for some? How am I going to bring in a production manager and pay them, What, especially in this market? You know, It's a more often than not, you're going to have to take a short-term hit in order to then reap the reward of the talent that you're bringing in. If you're bringing the right talent in, the reward should come relatively quickly behind that. But, you know, you mentioned uh, my role now was Certified Contractors Network. I was on the phone with uh, one of our members, and he was in that spot where he was profitable where he was at, but he couldn't do anything more. You know, he's all the way out at the razor's edge, and he really didn't know his numbers. And in his case, what he needed to do was bring on a controller, someone that could, and he had the money to do it. It was going to be a short-term you know, expense that he didn't have a necessarily a way to pay for it, but he was already profitable. And so that's in his case, that w- that's what we talked through was hire this controller because when you get your numbers where you truly have the ability to see them and have visibility and clarity about what are the metrics of your business, that'll give you the ability to start investing and improving those metrics, which will give you return many times over for that controller. So it's very situational. As we're recording this, we just released 
an episode, I think it was number 156 with Brian Gottlieb at Tundraland. Uh-huh. And what you just said was that was that whole episode was about KPIs, uh-huh. about understanding the key performance indicators of your company. The other thing that I'll say to everyone listening is the how to pay for it is, yeah, you're going to take a short term hit. But the reason this is how I'm taking it, John, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason he's saying short term is because you don't pay for anything in your business. Your customer pays for it. So if you're going to bring somebody new on, you're sending the bill to the next customer and then one after that and the one after that. So when you say short term, we're not talking two years. We're talking Uh a couple of months, whatever your sell cycle is, right? Or install cash cycle is. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. You know, one of the first places I start, because I, I spend a lot of time with, with our member companies in this space of KPIs and in the space of metrics, you need to have the right profit amount for whatever size you are in the first place. And if you do, now you can spend out of profits. You're not taking the very minimal amount that you make that's barely getting you by, you need right. to figure out how to charge the right amount for whatever size you are and have profits because you'll never have an ability to grow your business if you don't have excess profits to invest in what is next. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. You talked about developing people and giving them the tools and the training that they that they need. Mm-hmm. What does that look like we say that all the time, you know, oh, we want to develop and we want to mentor and we want to coach our teams. What does it actually like really look like? What did you do? It's a lot of time. It's in the trenches alongside of people. It's processing, you know, a after action reviews. Okay. We did this situation. So, I mean, there, there's the more formal side. I mean, me and my partner went back and, and got MBAs, you know, so. Sometimes it's educational. Sometimes it's books that we process together. Sometimes it's discussing deeper, you know, concepts around, around the financials or around, you know, strategy or things of that nature. But a lot of it, at least in my case, has also been reactive. It's a, we set out with a plan. We set out with a strategy and then life happened. And things were slightly different than what we expected. And so as the people that I'm directly working with, we pull back and we have a real habit of after action reviews, sometimes formal, sometimes informal. But, you know, you know, you're going back and you're saying what actually did happen? What did we plan to have happen? 
you know, what's the gap and why is there a gap and how should that change our system because of what we learned from that situation. And so when you do that alongside of somebody and you do it, you know, repeatedly over years, there's a, there's a development that happens along the way, as well as specific planned, you know, learnings that you, you might take someone through. Yeah. You said something in there that I've not heard before, and I want you to talk a little bit more about it. You said books we process together. You didn't say read. You said books we process together. Uh Tell me more about that. I've never heard that before. I have an idea, but tell me more. Well, I mean, we don't read books or have learnings in order to be just to gain knowledge. We, We figure out how to take that knowledge and making it actionable. So the processing is we read a book on on a leadership style and then we talk about, okay, how does that affect how we're doing what we're doing? Let's think through what are the actual applications of that that can make us a better organization. You know, we, Steve and I read a book on execution and we're, we're now taking that and both of us coming back together and saying, in what you read, how did you believe that what is the learnings that we can use to improve our execution as an organization? Or we read something around culture and we talk about that. So, yeah, I have, I mean, I like to read a lot. My partner likes to read both of them, but I also not just for the purpose of it. It's for the purpose of figuring out how, for, how we can get better. So, so it's interesting because I was having lunch with a client. He's become a friend. His name's Scott. He runs one of the largest window companies in Florida, in the state of Florida. And we were talking about, I had him at our Accelerate event. And he was, I want to be careful how I say this. And I don't mean to offend anybody by the comments that I'm going to make. Listen to it as learning. He was shocked at how many people will go to events, read books, order courses, whatever, and really not do anything with the information. Uh I know what you're thinking. (laughs) This is, you know, something you deal with too all the time. And, and he said to me, he asked me pointedly, he said, of all of the, you know, of all of the people that were in that room, how many of them, he says, well, you might not know the answer to, but how many of them are actually going to take the information and go do something with it? And I immediately, I knew the answer. I put up a five. He said, if you have a hundred people, how many are going to do something with them? I said, five. And I said, there's a reason why there's a 1% and a 5% and the, you know, all of that. And it's interesting. It reminded me you know, people, books, the answers to what we need are in, are in books. There's so many good ones out there about business and about all of that. It's one thing to buy a book. Well, first of all, it's one thing to be exposed and have the desire. It's a whole nother thing to go to Amazon and actually like buy it or go to a bookstore, wherever you go. It's another thing to open it. It's another thing to get past the introduction. It's another thing to get past chapter one and then it's a whole nother level of actually finishing the book. And then it's, what do you do with it? Yep. And it's shocking, not to me anymore, but it's shocking to people when you tell them, well, it's there's only a small percentage of people that'll do anything with it. We're in Gainesville this last weekend. And just quick, real quick story, just to prove this point, it blows my mind. 
we go, there's only one real ho- nice hotel in Gainesville, and they have a great bar there. And there's a bartender there that's amazing. He makes, we drink old fashions, and he makes like one of the best old fashions we've ever had. And so my buddy and his wife are there. My wife is getting ready in the room. So I go down to the bar and I meet him. I had completely forgotten about this guy. My mind was on, I don't know, something else. I'm walking up to the bar. The guy not only recognizes me, but he remembers my name. I sit down. He knows what I want to drink. And he tells me, oh, man, you know, he reminds me that I got him. I sent him a book. I had completely forgotten. And we do this. Like, we'll meet somebody. We'll talk to them. If we see that they're like ambitious and they're hungry, we'll say, hey, you know, here's a book recommendation for you. And if they're like more interested, we'll say, hey, I'll send you a copy. Just give me your address and I'll go on Amazon, I'll order it and I'll send it to them. Apparently I did this with this guy. I forgot. And so I wouldn't have done this 10 years ago, but my first question to him was, well, did you read it? And he said, well, what'd he say? He said, well, I got through the first chapter. Uh-huh. So wait a minute. When we talked, you told me I want to improve my life or I want to improve my business. Yep. I made a recommendation and I even bought it for you, but you only got to the first chapter. So it's like, that's why when you said that process the book and why mm-hmm. I'm, why I'm beating this up is because we say it here all the time. Success leaves clues. You can find the clues in books. You can find the book in at CCN, Certified Contractors Network. You can find them at Accelerate. You can find them here on the podcast. But it's what you do with it. And this idea of processing, wow, that's really good. So it's not only are we reading the book, but what did we learn from the book and how can we execute on what we learned from the book? Absolutely. Does anything that we learn there improve our systems? We're very big on systems throughout our organization. If there's something that we do over and over again, we should figure out how to be great at it. And the best way to be great at it is to have a repeatable system that we we follow. And when it breaks down and we do an after action review on it, we figure out, oh, here's this way that we can improve this system. And that way we don't have to go out and practice on our customers. And every time it's a new experience for us, yeah. we should, we do this all the time. We should be great at it. So the system is, you know, and having systems and having a habit as a culture of learning from our mistakes or learning from other people or learning from books and taking that learning and applying it into our systems is, is a, a core habit of ours. What is the correlation between keeping, not just finding, keeping good people and having good systems and processes in place? Well, I think there's a strong correlation. One, it creates clarity of expectation. It creates, you know, when I have a system and I have a predicted outcome of that, I also have a clarity around what success looks like and what it doesn't look like. And so people operate, people don't mind complexity, but they prefer simplicity. And the more you can take things and make it absolutely clear for people, they're going to be happier. If they're living in a world in which, and how many people work for a contractor who people live on the edge of their chair, not knowing if today is going to be an angry day, if today is going to be a, you know, and they don't know exactly what it is that's going to set them off. So I always worked really hard of making sure that we had an absolute understanding of 
what success look like and what we're aiming at. What is our vision? What is our values? You know, so we created a whole set of values that live on our wall and we have in, in it's on everybody's desk. And one of the things that we use that for is as long as you're what you're doing is consistent with these values, you're going to get 100% supported by us as owners and leaders. You don't have to worry about whether you're out over the uh, top of your skis or not. You know, it, we're going to support you. So I think the correlation to tie back into your point is that systems allow me to simplify and scale things. If I scale things, people are going to have more opportunity so that people will stay in a place where they have opportunity. People will also be more happy because they're not living in this unstable environment. So. Yeah. How much do great people like being held accountable to results of knowing what success looks like? So I think they love it. I think yeah. they... It's interesting. It, you know, the culture is usually defined by the lowest common denominator of what you'll put up with. And high capacity, high competence people like to live in a high accountability world because they're used to hitting their targets. They're used to succeeding and they want to be rewarded for it. They actually get discouraged or off track when they see you not having that environment. Yeah. yeah. I have found that with really great people. They want to they wanna know how to win, and they like to win, mm -hmm. and they don't mind being held accountable to, to results. They want to know that you're also, we use terms like, hey, we're shoulder to shoulder on, you know, they want to know that you're in it with them and that yeah. you're also willing to hold accountable. You're not looking for scapegoats when, you know, your plan, your strategy just was the wrong one, and I've made most of the mistakes over those years that you can make, and, and so... I, I think that's the other aspect of it is knowing that you're also accountable will make them want to rise to that as well. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think is our main job as, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, is having a vision of where the company is going. And I know you have a grand vision. How do you, when you're smaller... And there's just a few people because you're the business you have today. You didn't think about this business yesterday. You were thinking about this business 30 years ago, that this is where I wanted to, to get to, but you were small back then. How do you do it when you're a small company and there's only two or three people in, in the organizations or five or 10? How do you get them to buy into the vision? How do you communicate that? How do you, how do you get them to buy into it? Yes, I'm different than some people in this space. I didn't have a grand vision. No. Uh, I really didn't. I've watched so many mission statements on a wall that were dead. Yeah. And so what we early on established is our values. Hey, mm -hmm. this is the stuff that, that we will absolutely support, and this is the stuff that we'll never do. And so we, we worked on that. And then I believe that life is a series of seasons, and I'm always – just working on living in the season I'm in and being the best version of that that I can be and always have a learning culture that's always improving. So one of the, in the KPI class that I teach over at CCN, one of the things I've talked to them about is, is a different way of looking at your business, which is 
it's a repeatable process. It's an infinitively loop. I call it a virtuous cycle. Every month we go through a month in which we get to look at our performance. And if you can start looking, if you figure, you think of a, you know, figure eight infinity loop is, is that's a, a one time through what we do. If every time you go through that, you can look at your metrics, you can figure out, you know, whether they're fitting the metrics that you have, if you're hitting at the level that you should be compared to benchmarks or best in class or things of that nature. And you just consistently over time make improvements each month. It's extraordinary. It's, it's, it's the principle of compound interest, right? But just applied to a business. It's extraordinary what can happen. And so I've seen people that have big visions that never achieve them because they flame out. But they're, they're just going beyond where they're at. But what I always believed was let's figure out, let's be exactly who we are today, but let's be unrelenting about being better tomorrow. Oh, that's cool. I love that. All right. Last question. And we'll wrap up. So knowing what you know today, if we were to go back 15 or 20 years, knowing what you know today, what's something that you would have done different or sooner or dinner different or sooner or better? Yeah, I I would have known. I have a, a rubric that I use for what businesses I should be in. A what? A, a rubric, a grid, a, a set of rules that I okay. that I use to determine what product lines, in my case, what product lines I should be in. And if I could tell that to the 30-year-old version of myself, I would be three times the level of wealth that I have today. It was transformative to me because so many of my mistakes were being in the wrong business for some period of time. That wasn't what I was great at. So ours is, is there big enough, is there a big enough market for it? There's four things. Is there a big enough market for? Because we're not a niche play. We're not typically a niche player, and I need to do it at scale. I want to grow at scale. Is does the market provide the level of profitability that allows me to build a, a profitable business around it? Is there room for that? Third is, can we be great at selling it and producing it? Because I don't want to be in a business that we're not great at. And and lastly, does it fit our brand? And if I would have just been able to tell my young version of me that and tell me to never vary from it. I wouldn't have been in the, I got into the commercial roofing business. It took millions and years off my life. And at one point I bought a a franchise, Southwest Greens. It was because we were building golf greens in people's houses, synthetic golf greens. And I did it because frankly, I love golf and and well, I wanted, yeah. I wanted to build a golf green at my house. It's like, hey, let's get into the business, you know. And that cost me, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And just, just again and again, we're now crystal clear. If we're like, I got out of the deck business this last year. We were building decks, and we got out of the deck business because, at the end of the day, the margins weren't that we were able to get just didn't fit the profile that allowed me to build, to have the kind of profitability that I want. And when we were super reflective on it, we weren't great at selling it and producing it. We were good. We just weren't great. Yeah. And so we just decided we're going to shut that down because our attention on that is keeping us from other things that we truly are great at. Love it. Awesome. Great advice. So everybody listening, rewind and listen to that again, because that was really, really, really good. 
All right, John, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. Oh, let's real quick, Certified Contractors Network, CCN. So I've been a part of, I was first introduced to CCN back in like 09 by Charlie Gundell. Great organization. You guys have an event coming up in September. Where is it? What are the dates? And Yep, it's uh, September 22nd, the 25th. It's going to be in Savannah, Georgia. I love Savannah. Uh, Yeah, it's a great town. We're excited about it. Yeah, three years ago, I had the chance because I was lessening my time with the uh, brothers. I had the chance to buy in and be an owner with Scott Siegel at, at CCN. I hope that we make money and we have, we build a great business, but it's a, it's a soulish work for me to be able to take the 40 years that I've been in this industry and be able to help these smaller contractors. And that's what we do. We, we teach them systems and processes and help train their people on how to be really great home improvement contractors. So. Cool. Yeah, so it's contractors with an S dot net, mm-hmm. right? Contractor.net. Yep. Contractor. Oh, contractor no S. Contractors. Uh, it's got an S. Right <laughs> yeah, 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 I think it's it, got it's an S. Triumbo. Yeah. I should know that. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. If you look up at CCN, you know, online, you'll you'll get it, you'll yeah, get we'll right to it, it. So we'll put it in the show notes. Um, too, but it'll be a great conference and yeah, we have a lot of content we do and, and we'd love to have any of your guests that you know would like to come to the conference. So. Great. All right. Well, thank you again, John. Appreciate it. This was great. Great information. It's been fun talking. And until next time, everyone, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskadalsian.